0: Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the Let's Overhaul Higher Education edition. This week, we're explaining how Ohio Republicans want to change the dynamics on college campuses, when you might be seeing signature gatherers for an abortion amendment, what Ohio suing Norfolk Southern means for the people of East Palestine, and how the state pension plans lost millions when two banks collapsed. This week, I'm joined in studio for the first time in a long time by reporter Jesse Ballmer. Hey, so happy to be back in Columbus. I know. No, it's so great to have you guys back. Jessie sits next to me upstairs in our office and I have missed her witticisms.
1: Yes, we have not been able to discuss the Ohio State Buckeyes or Girl Scout cookies (laughs) or Ohio politics in a few weeks. So the first topic this week
0: is abortion, and two big things happened here in Ohio. Let's start with the proposed constitutional amendment that would protect access to the procedure up until viability, which is about 22 weeks. Ohio's ballot board approved the amendment language this week, and that means they can start gathering signatures now.
1: Right, Jesse? Correct. Yeah, the Ohio Ballot Board measure was really kind of a procedural step, but there are a number of procedural steps that you need to clear in order to start collecting signatures. Uh, Now the group that is promoting this constitutional amendment need to collect about 413,000 valid signatures. So they're really going for more like 700,000 signatures because there's always some that get rejected. You don't have the right address or signature or something like that attached to it. So they're starting right about now to collect those signatures. They have until July 5th is the deadline for them to try to make the November ballot, which is the goal. And they're going to use volunteers and paid signature collectors, right? That is what I'm told. They're in the process of hiring paid signature collectors. They have a pretty short timeline. You know, March, April, May, June, July. early July. <laughs> so, math. Um, they don't have a tremendous amount of time to collect these signatures. You also need to make sure you're getting signatures from 44 of the 48 counties, and so it's just a large lift. I think there's going to be a lot of people who are interested in this topic that are you know willing to volunteer or, or seek out the signature collection efforts perhaps more so than an issue that's a little more esoteric or less how it directly affects your life. So I think they'll have a decent amount of support that way, but it's still a heavy lift for anyone to make the ballot in Ohio.
0: Yeah, it usually takes a couple million dollars just to get through the signature process.
1: Yeah. And they are already going to be facing some opposition groups that oppose abortion, have committed to spending five million dollars in advertisements. Their first out is looking at parental consent, which I'm sure is a topic that we're going to debate throughout the whole process. Yeah. <laughs> so but already they're kind of coming out swinging. So there is going to be a large, expensive, probably, you know, messy fight over this particular ballot measure, even from the beginning.
0: And the second thing that happened this week is Ohio's Supreme Court decided to hear part of a legal challenge to the state's heartbeat law. That's the one that bans abortion after fetal cardiac activity is detected about six-ish weeks. It's been on hold for a couple of months now after some abortion clinics sued. And their lawsuit claims Ohio's state constitution already has protections for abortions. But the justices on the court won't be deciding whether that's true.
1: Yeah, so this is interesting. We've been waiting for a while to see whether the Ohio Supreme Court was going to take this case up, and they decided to do so, but only on two of the three items that Ohio Attorney General Yost, who's a Republican, wanted them to tackle. The third issue that they're not tackling, as you said, is whether the Ohio Constitution grants a right to abortion. The decision on whether they take this up was divided. The three Democratic justices didn't want to take a look at it at all. Three Republican justices wanted to look at the whole thing, including Chief Justice Sharon Kennedy. So that left Justice Pat Fisher in the middle, saying that he wanted to take a look at these two issues, but not the final third issue.
0: And the other two are like technical issues. It's whether the clinics have standing or basically the right to sue to challenge the legality of this law, correct?
1: Yeah, correct. And this could have a a decent impact because a lot of the lawsuits that are filed are filed by abortion clinics rather than people who have received abortions. And they say that Ohio's Laws are discriminating against them and discriminating against their patients. So if they're not able to sue on behalf of patients, that could limit the amount of lawsuits or the types of lawsuits that they're able to file and just kind of the way that they've gone about this traditionally. So it's an important issue, but it's also not like the main issue that we thought could have been discussed by the Ohio Supreme Court.
0: Our second topic is college. A Republican senator named Jerry Serino dropped a bill this week that would transform campus life at Ohio's public colleges and universities. This sweeping legislation would create new rules aimed at eliminating classroom bias, ending all mandatory diversity training, ban academic and financial partnerships with Chinese universities, require American history classes for graduation, ban faculty from striking during labor negotiations, and compel institutions to rewrite their mission statements. It's a lot.
1: Yeah. Every once in a while you see bills like this, which are almost like like the everything but the kitchen sink bill. Yeah, And you always kind of wonder whether these bills are going to collapse under their own weight just because there's so many topics in this bill that in and of themselves would be massive debates. You know, like, do you need to post syllabuses online? Like, what does... Being free of bias. Yeah. And so just the sheer weight of this bill is going to be interesting to see how it moves, whether it gets divided, whether it gets put into other bills going forward.
0: Yeah, it's a really big bill. And as I was reading through it, I was like, oh, it does this and this. And oh, my God, it does that and this. It was really intense. Actually, we broke it into two separate articles, which is unusual for a bill introduction. We did one on how it would impact students and one on how it would impact faculty just because it was so big. And I was like, oh, my God, this story is like 50 inches long, which is long for a news story. Just trust me on that one. But yeah, so Serino says that he's seen a troubling trend where uh, colleges are more focused on social change than intellectual diversity. They're sort of pushing kids to reach certain conclusions rather than exposing them to ideas and letting them draw their own conclusions. So that's what Serino thinks is happening on some colleges and university campuses. And he wants to make sure that that doesn't happen here in Ohio. Or if it is happening, it doesn't get worse. Now, I will say that groups like Honesty for Education and even Democratic like the minority leader in the Senate, Nikki Antonio, said, you know, a classroom free from bias sounds great. That's what we all want. But they think that this could have the opposite effect, that professors could be more afraid to talk about what they believe. This could, you know, ending things like, you know, mandatory DEI training could make like university relationships more complex.
1: Like there's a lot of concerns with
0: how whether this would work as intended, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think it's really fascinating because we've had a lot of debate at the Ohio legislature about the like K-12 education level and what can be taught or what should be taught or what boards should allow or what they should not allow. And to see that kind of filtering up to the universities and college level, I mean, makes sense that that's kind of the next debate ground. The other thing I thought was interesting that you and Laura dug into was that university personnel would be prohibited from striking. And that's currently only limited for first responders and correction officers. So... Seems like a, another step.
0: Yeah, he said that uh, when students pay tuition, they create a contract with the state and the state shouldn't violate that. Therefore, like faculty shouldn't be able to strike. But, you know, for folks who have been in Ohio for a hot minute, remember a bill from about a decade ago that Kasich tried to do to eliminate striking power for public unions. And, you know, that got overturned at the ballot pretty overwhelmingly. So the, the unions say that they will fight this change, you know, to the bitter end, just like they did last time.
1: Yeah, I think anyone who really kind of watched the uh, Senate Bill 5 debate and the ballot initiative that followed, it was really the last, like, really powerful show from the unions. And I'm sure there have been smaller efforts since, but, you know, hundreds of people showing up at the State House, it was really something to behold.
0: Our third topic is East Palestine. Ohio filed a lawsuit against Norfolk Southern Railway this week, demanding the company pay all costs incurred by the state for its response to the train derailment that released hazardous chemicals into the air, water and soil. Attorney General Dave Yost called the accident, quote, an epic disaster and said he doesn't know how much the cleanup is going to cost, but he believes the railroad company should pick up the entire tab.
1: Yeah, I think this is really interesting. I mean, they've forecasted, both Oost and Governor Mike DeWine have forecasted that this is something that they wanted to do to file a legal challenge, but to... You kind of charge them for the costs of the response, like so the emergency response, but also the cleanup and how long it's going to take to pe- make the people of East Palestine whole. This could be a very large bill. And yeah. as Steve Yost said, we don't know what that bill is even yet.
0: Yeah, they also want to have them uh, on the hook for all the long-term monitoring and like any kind of negative health effects that may come down. Now, I will say that Yost said that Norfolk Southern is working with them in good faith so far. And the lawsuit is just a way, in his opinion, to to make sure that that initial positive response continues for the long term.
1: Yeah. Lawsuits have a way of doing that, I suppose.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Our fourth and final topic is Ohio's public pension systems. Like a lot of other systems across the country, Ohio's retirement plans lost tens of millions of dollars when two major banks, Silicon Valley Bank of California and Signature Bank of New York collapsed. The teachers retirement system lost about twenty seven million dollars. The public employee retirement system, the big one, lost about five point four. And police and fire wasn't actually invested in either bank, but they did have indirect exposure and lost about three hundred and twenty thousand. It's it's kind of a crazy story, right? Like, I don't think most of us knew what Silicon Valley Bank of California was before last week when it. Collapsed.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be real honest and say, like, I finished the trial for the former House speaker, Larry Householder. I, you know, went home, said hi to my cat and showed up on Monday (laughs) morning and was like, oh, gosh, we've had a financial crisis out in the Silicon Valley Bank. And what does this mean for everyone else? And this is a very real impact of it. You know, as you pointed out, SDRS really was hit the hardest out of this. Um, So this still represents a pretty small percentage of the entire pension funds investment as our colleague Laura Bischoff reported but you know 27.2 million dollars isn't nothing
0: yeah and this is true probably for lots of people's like 401k's and if you're in the those kind of markets you know i mean obviously The federal government is taking this very seriously. You know, Janet Yellen got like grilled over what they were doing and how they were monitoring it. And obviously you don't want this to kick off like a cascading series of collapses that sort of takes down the financial system. Like we super don't want that. But when a big bank collapses, I mean, we should be concerned.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the bigger concerns was the potential ripple effect and the fears that there would be like around that bank and other banks. And we've all learned a lot about how much is insured. <laughs> up to, And, you know, if you have a large amount of money and you haven't had any other protections of that amount higher than that, there was a lot of concern. So, you know, as of this recording, it th- seems like things are dying down a bit, that there wasn't this giant ripple effect, but there is going to be financial repercussions. And, you know, SEO, CRS is an example of that. And one more thing before
0: you go, the Cincinnati Bengals organization is pushing for legal changes that would prevent players under contract from getting compensation if they're injured on the field. The bill would bar active professional athletes from filing for partial or permanent disability over an injury or illness related to their job. The NFL Players Association says this is stripping Ohio athletes of their worker compensation benefits. But the guy who introduced it, Republican lawmaker Bill Seitz, says this is uh, welfare for the rich.
1: Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) this is the closest we're going to get to like NFL reporting on the Ohio Politics podcast, perhaps. Yeah, um, for sure. It'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. The workers' compensation budget isn't usually like the sexiest of the four. But I think this is going to be one to watch. Um, It's a change that could be added. And so we're going to be seeing how this plays out.
0: Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like marionstar.com.